podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, yo, welcome to the podcast. We are back. Boss man, you're reacquainted with your cat, Moxie. Mm-hmm. He's forgiven you for leaving him. He was good the first like three days I was back, and now he's back to clawing the mattresses and acting a fool. Today, we're going to talk about our biggest project in 2017, reflections on our annual event, DCBKK 2017. We're going to talk about our five takeaways today, Ian, what we learned from the hundreds of amazing entrepreneurs, listeners to this show that flew the whole way to Bangkok, most of them a, a long way, to have what turned out to be a really nice five days together. In fact, I have the official objective rating. Are you ready for this? You want to read it out? I always think this is rigged, but you're welcome to tell me what it is. It's not rigged. This is the number. It's 9.24 was the rating. Out of 10. So we did something right. And a lot of what got done right, frankly, was what the members did this time. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we get into these five points, Ian, can we step back and get some general thoughts? Like, how was your experience in Bangkok this year? Amazing. It was really, truly amazing. We had a really strong team this year, and we had a bunch of volunteers that helped out. They're really the ones that make it go around. But when we reflect on these events, it's a little bit difficult for me just because I'm I'm not your traditional attendee, right? I get to talk to the attendees, but I'm the organizer. So I think we should share some of our feedback as organizers for sure in this podcast and what makes a successful event and what makes a profitable event because this is our, what, sixth time doing this event now? Yeah. And we're starting to do even more events. More events. We're actually coming back to Austin this year. Ooh, are you supposed to be talking about that yet? Yeah, maybe not. All right. I don't know if I should scoop it. <laughs> maybe not. Here we go. That's true. Here we go. I just did it. Ah. That's right. We're having over 10 events in 2018. In-person events. Yeah. So if you want to meet other people that are doing the rare, crazy, weird stuff that you're doing, there's just so few people still. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Like You get into this room full of a couple hundred people who have all accomplished something pretty insane when you think about the regular world out there. Somebody actually mentioned that from stage this year. It was Russ Perry from Design Pickle. What we're doing is abnormal to 99% of the world, but then you get in this room with a couple of hundred entrepreneurs and all of a sudden what we're doing is normal. That's a little bit surreal. To me, one of the big stars of the conference again this year was Bangkok. It's such a cool city to visit for five days. Day six, seven, eight, nine... Bangkok fatigue sets in, but it's a complete assault on the census. You know, I think about the closing party venue that we had, for example, was like sort of a view of the whole city of Bangkok. And there's just an energy. There's a sense of hustle there. It's a cool sort of circumstance to fly in from all around the world and have access to these, what are five-star luxury amenities at a really good price. Way cheaper than you could find it in the Western world, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if we had that event in somewhere in North America, for example, we wouldn't be staying at a place like that. It would be like six, $700 a night for a room. You know, It's like not a good value. So it's like sort of like you pay it in the plane ticket, but you get that sort of 
feeling of being included in an adventure with all the other attendees. And then you also get that feeling of luxury, which I was is always a star of the event for me. Speaking of luxury, one of my favorite things that happened this year was that everybody was trading secrets about their favorite massage place. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where's the person that's really going to give me that deep tissue massage that I'm going to walk away with and be sore the next day? And I definitely found that place this year. You found it. Oh, man. I found that place. And I sent it to you and I sent it to a bunch of other people. But that's a really fun thing for me, Dan, at these events as of late is sneaking away for a, a late afternoon hour-long Thai massage <laughs> just to get broken down to come back and then to learn some more. It's interesting that one of the themes that won't make it into the top five is pacing yourself at these conferences. So you get to this thing and these conversations are, they're electric. I've been waiting all year to, to re-meet these people, to meet some new people. They totally get what I'm talking about. This is super exciting all of a sudden we're opening up to each other, you know, here's actually what I'm worried about. Here's what I'm struggling with. And you just get sucked in from the first moment. And then all of a sudden you're having to learn new things. You're having to walk around and you can just completely burn out if you don't pace yourself. The role of downtime is is big because you want to be there, you know, 100% when it counts. It is big. Yeah, I think in the beginning, Dan, I was trying to do it all. And when you try and do it all, you see very little benefit. I think when you try and kind of spread yourself thin, you know, you get exhausted. And so I saw a lot of people this year kind of opting out of some of the parties, which I thought was interesting. As organizers, that's part of our role too, is to provide that mix of pacing, opportunities to sort of have things arise and to keep busy, but also that it's not just this full-on fire hose for the full five days. So that's something that we've been experimenting with too with the different event formats is tweaking them and, and creating more space for people to interact in more natural ways that aren't so structured all the time. To your point earlier about Bangkok, you know, Bangkok for a lot of people that come to this event is a destination in itself. You know, it's a bit of a vacation. It's a bit of a jumping off point. You know, a lot of people are going to Chiang Mai, Hong Kong, whatever they might be doing afterwards, but they're there to enjoy Bangkok as well. So building in some of that free time. I think is important. One of the suggestions I heard, Dan, is taking a day off. So like taking the Thursday off or a Friday off and just not doing anything, not having any scheduled programming, and then going back to the conference on the weekend. Let's get it into it in these five points because there was a new theme at the conference this year, and that's point number one. Point number one takeaway this year is the value of meetups. I've always been a much bigger fan and like what we're trying to create our conferences is an atmosphere of sharing, not instruction. A lot of the conferences I went to when I was you know, in the corporate world is that you would go and you see an expert and they'd tell you how to do something and ultimately they'd sell you something at the end of it. When it became our responsibility to design our own conferences, we were like, well, let's not do that. <laughs> so instead, what we've done is we've created this sort of campus environment where Members share their experiences with others in workshops and in meetups that are topic related. So there's a special kind of magic that happens when you get 15 people in a room together that all have similar experiences and they workshop their ideas together. And it could be around any, a topic from you know cryptocurrency to how to manage a medium-sized team to how to get a second passport or even you know challenges of maintaining relationships while running a company. So those sorts of conversations are, are invaluable and 
previously, a lot of these conversations happened informally. You know, we'd say like, okay, all these cool people go meet up at this cocktail hour here or whatever. And what we found is that by adding a formalized process to those conversations, the value people can get out of them and their investment in a trip to a conference increases dramatically. There's also, I was speaking with Greg Berry a few days ago, Ian, for the podcast last week. He mentioned the value of a lot of the informal meetups that happen. So I want to play a clip of that. The best part of the conference, sorry, Dan, has to be the breakfast, there, Conrad. <laughs> that I'll call it the breakfast track is incredible. So I was so excited to get down there the first day. I think I got there like when it opened and I didn't leave till it closed. And I must have had, I don't know, five or six amazing conversations. But yeah, the breakfasts are an amazing opportunity to one, start the day with awesome conversations, but really dig deep and get to know people better and provide value and, and get value. A lot of those informal meetups, Ian, they pop up in uh, like these messaging channels that we have. So people can informally you know, go out for dinner together, go do a cold ice bath together. There's all sorts of things that people want to do together. And we pulled down one of our favorite comments of the week. Member Michelle wrote, breakfast seems to be a famous social thing at DCBKK. This is a theme, Ian, we have mentioned on this podcast more than once. But from what I've heard, there are also a lot of DCers practicing intermittent fasting and not eating breakfast. So would anybody be up for just a social coffee time at one of the cafes in the morning instead? And I love this. Jeremy Roberts writes, that's kind of funny. Quote, DC's latest health trend, dampers breakfast tradition. <laughs> There's all these like little quirky things that happen. It's hard to live a cohesive life, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> But yeah, to your point, there there are all these little quirky things that happen at these events that as an organizer, you don't anticipate they're going to turn into anything and then they turn into a big hit, something like breakfast that's not even on the schedule. Or like, you know, the butter that's served with your coffee at breakfast. You know, three years ago, it was cool. Now it's this strange curiosity relic of this fad of putting MCT oil in, in your coffee. Things like that, you know, they come about like their community touches, you know. I love those things. They make me laugh. They're something to talk about. And it, it's part of what makes you feel like you're, you're in a second family as opposed to, hey, we're all just here to learn X. You know, I like that stuff a lot. Speaking of weird things, and you just barely touched on it, Dan, there was a member that had an ice bath in his hotel room. Mm -hmm. And many other people piled into his bathtub <laughs> to experience the ice bath. <laughs> And I saw a picture of this. The bathtub is completely full of ice. Yep. There's a bunch of people standing around the bathtub, and there's one person in the bathtub. And then I said, well, where did you guys get the ice? And they said, oh, yeah, the Conrad Hotel. They just brought it right up to us. <laughs> Can you imagine what they were thinking? <laughs> well, that's the thing about the Conrad is we've been working with them for so long now, and they've become really a great partner of ours that they actually look forward to this event more, they said, than any other event that they have on their calendar because we do weird things like order ice to our rooms to take a bath in it, and that's something <laughs> fun for them. You'd never expect it because it's like an international hotel chain, but what we've learned about their staff over the years is that they use it as an annual opportunity to flex their creative muscles. So they're trying to offer us, you know, ways we can use their resources more creatively and better. And they sometimes they surprise us as well. Number two takeaway, Ian. One of the big themes at this year's conference was dealing 
with success. I guess so on the internet, it's not hard to project that, hey, we're all super successful. We all want to be super successful. All that kind of imagery that we're assaulted with all day long on the, on the Instagrams, on the Facebooks. But the reality is, is that having the business success that you know, you've been maybe working on for half a decade of your life, first off, it doesn't make you happy. Let's like be clear about that. I think there's like, it's really easy to conflate that if you get the business success that you want, you're going to be happy about it. This is actually something that I ended up sharing at this conference. It came up, you know, this idea of like happiness. And I said, look, like I've met a lot of these people on the internet that are very internet famous. And in fact, they are some of the most unhappy people I know in their life. 100%. So the correlation between business success and being a happy, healthy, emotional individual, I don't think it always correlates 100%. I honestly think it's often the misery or the dysfunction that drives people to get the sort of fame or success that you see them purporting online. Because, for example, if you get a sense of satisfaction or happiness from the attention of others or other people thinking great about you, well, that's a pretty fickle source of fulfillment. And it's fairly easy to do on the internet these days, but (laughs) getting back to dealing with success, the reason why this point is on here is because uh, you gave a great talk and I was super impressed. I didn't think you could pull it off because I've been the one that's had to speak all these years. That's the thing that maybe this audience doesn't understand is we talk about this conference and and we get ready for it. And then somehow every year you wrote me into speaking. Well, this year wasn't going to happen. You ended up speaking, you gave a great talk, and it was about the other options that we had or that we should have considered when we were selling our business. So many of you listeners know, 2015, we sold an e-commerce physical products business. And two years ago, I went over the details of that sale to the audience at DCPKK. And then this year, you came back and you said, hey, devil's advocate, these are the things that we should have considered before going through with that sale. And I think it just resonated with so many people because a lot of people in the community are achieving great levels of success, you know, multi-million dollar companies, a bunch of employees, you know, kind of the same level that we were at. And the thought then comes to your mind, which is, you know, I'm not successful unless I have an exit. I'm really bored working on this business. I'm really bored solving these problems. And then you came in with a couple ideas about how to solve that. And it really resonated with people. Dan, I heard so many stories, people coming up to me like, hey, I'm at the same point in my business. Like I thought I had to sell it. I didn't really consider all these different options. I'm feeling invigorated to get back into my business. I'm feeling invigorated to put this thing on autopilot. I feel like I have options now. Because the story that we told was we didn't really feel like we had any options back in 2015. We felt like our only option was to sell the business. But now looking back, there were many options. So I think your talk really resonated with a lot of people this year. One of the reasons is that it can be a little embarrassing to talk about problems if you're successful. So in some ways, like if your problem is, oh, I got to get my business from zero to hero, there's tons of people that are going to be like, oh yeah, here's how you do it, whatever. But there's these high quality problems that you feel like you're complaining if you're talking about them. And it also is the case with achieving, you know, great financial success in life. Like you said, so many people are doing that by following the types of business models and the types of methods that we highlight on this show. But I don't think that there's a lot of wisdom in the community about what to do when you're there, when you've achieved it. I, I guess I was trying to encourage myself. I, I think I kind of got to a point where my learning curve was stunted. I wasn't very productive when I got there. You know, I didn't do all that I could to continue to grow. 
and to continue to learn. You know, another thing kind of in the same vein that I talked to a couple of people about, actually, uh, Tristan King was one of these people. He sold his business, uh, I think, in the last six months. That business was a black belt commerce. Right. We got the chance to uh, sit together actually across the table from each other on a moving boat, which we ate dinner on this year in Bangkok. So that's another experience that you can have there. It's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> you know, one of the things he started to tell me about uh, learning a foreign language. And I just thought, you know, that's one of the things that I've struggled with, Dan, is since we've sold the business, like I have, as a person, I feel like I've really grown. I've taken on some new hobbies. I've taken on some new skill sets. But not all those translate over to business. And I think that that's like 100% okay for me. But it's a weird thing for, I think, a lot of people to express to themselves and to others that they're okay with that. So when I was talking with Tristan, he was a little bit sheepish, you know? He was a little bit shy to tell me that he was really focused on language learning. As if because it didn't make money, it wouldn't be important. Or I wouldn't be interested in talking about it. And I think that that's one of the things that is interesting about the DC is that there's still some of that stigma attached. Like, oh, if you're not making money doing it, like, why are we talking about it? And I think like in this community, like we're more accepting of of those kinds of passions and endeavors than most other communities. But that conversation happened. And I hope that that conversation happens more in the future, which is, this is what I'm passionate about you know, I've had an exit or whatever, like I'm not that concerned about money. Like these are the things that I'm interested in learning. These are the things that I'm interested in becoming. Yeah, we're all here because we want to do our own thing. We want to be deliberate. And when times get tough, it's easy to toss those things out the door and to buy into like the next cultural script that we're trying to escape. Like I'm not a successful entrepreneur if I don't exit. I'm not a successful entrepreneur if I don't have you know, X amount of profit every year to tell my friends about. There is that pressure to, in the entrepreneurial community to like, you know, always go back on like your identity as an entrepreneur and that this is all I do. I'm, you know, an entrepreneur all the time. And, and I just sold my business. So I'm going to jump into another business six months from now, even though it's not really my passion, but I'm good at making money this way. So I'm going to go ahead and do that again. You know, to your point, Dan, you don't, you don't have to do it. The reason we're here is to uh, live a good life. That's the reason why we started these businesses in the first place. Especially for us, Dan, we had lifestyle things that we wanted to achieve. And the business was a way for us to get there. One thing that's obvious from our track record and this conversation is that we don't know about this stuff. You know, it's like, it's a journey for us, but... Well, it's a conversation too. You know, my message to the listeners is that it's that voice in you that's unique to you is, is the one that's worth following. That's the one that got so many of us into that room all together with these stunningly original approaches to lifestyle and business, you know? A few days ago, I was at a search engine optimization conference. And when the speaker from stage said, how many people in the room use hrefs.com to rank their sites number one in Google? The entire audience of hundreds of SEOs raised their hands. Yes, hrefs.com is a tool that is synonymous with ranking your site number one in Google. It allows you to uncover what people in your niche are searching for and how difficult it might be to rank for the all-important number one spot in those searches. Better yet, it helps you to uncover little-known niches of profitable terms that will drive customers to your business. So go to hrefs.com, that's A-H-R-E-F-S, 
com for a free 14-day trial. And during that free trial, you'll get access to all of their tools and data for two weeks at no charge. That's invaluable. And Ahrefs is also offering one lucky TMBA listener the chance to win an annual subscription valued at over $2,000. To enter that draw, just share this episode on Facebook and let us know about it. Thanks again to Ahrefs.com for sponsoring the show. Number three takeaway, Ian, I love having sponsors for the event. And by the way, I love having sponsors for this podcast too. And I want to talk about some of our sponsors and where they came from. First off, let me just say that not just a few years ago, speaking of you know perception, reality, entrepreneur versus passion project, I was a too cool for school hipster. I thought that if we had ads on this podcast, it would make us uncool because if we're so good at making money, if we're, you know, and I felt we, we were, we did have real quality businesses that why would we, you know, sell ads on our show? I'm just waiting for you to get to the point where are you cool or are you not cooler now? Because now we have ads. Are you cool or not cool now? Exactly. Exactly. I'm zero. I never was cool. Okay. You know, and one gentleman I was speaking with, he said, first off, I don't care about you or you, how you think about yourself, but think about this. When I listen to a podcast without ads on it, I wonder, well, who the hell is listening to this podcast? It doesn't, it's not even, it doesn't even have any reach. No ads. No ads. So one of the things that we started to do this year was we started to advertise on the podcast. And then we've also been having sponsors at our events. From our perspective, these are partner sponsors for the event. But for the purpose of this show, these are like homegrown businesses that came up in important ways through the TMBA and DC communities. So there's like no corporate sponsor of this event. These are like super engaged listeners and community members. And that to me is why it feels like a win-win at these events where the sponsors are adding so much because in many ways, they're the more experienced members of the community. They're the ones that have sort of built businesses with the help of the community and they're coming to give back and to get attention for their projects. So I think that that's what sticks out to me about why they're fascinating. Yeah, and at the end of this, uh, we can kind of go through from an organizer's perspective why this is certainly advantageous. But let's let's talk about these guys for a little bit. Empire Flippers, these guys, Joe and Justin and their team now, which is growing super quick, they've sponsored this event in previous years. And it's always fun for me because they sponsor the opening party and we got some free drinks and it's by the pool. I just love hanging out with these guys. It's also like fascinating that, you know, there's been plenty of philosophers in the business space that have said, look, you can't grow a business that just serves like this internet business crowd because it's not real, it's not big enough or whatever. And then you've got companies like Empire Flippers like, uh, no, actually, this is legit and this is the future of business. And we're a marketplace for buying and trading these assets that these young people in the internet are creating. And they're super valuable and they're very profitable and the success of their marketplace has tracked with the success of the community in many ways. We're all, yeah, we're going from, you know, opportunists who saw the chance to get free from the corporate world and from one particular location. And like those two things have combined to create something much bigger, which is the future of growing profitable businesses. So big shout out to uh, Joe and Justin over at the Empire Flippers. Thanks to them for uh, sponsoring this event. 
again this year. Like you said, it's really fun to watch our organization and their organization kind of grow together through the years. Speaking of growing, Growth Ninja, Vincent Wynn's company was another platinum sponsor. He was an apprentice working for the Empire Flippers, and they became his anchor client when he left. Yeah, I wish I could say that's a unique story, but that is kind of the story of the DC, which is fun. Totally. And Growth Ninja came back as a platinum sponsor, does managed performance-based Facebook ads, which listeners of this podcast know because Vincent's also sponsored the pod. So super cool. Used his time on stage to give a shout to his mentors, not to pitch his service. That was cool. Speaking of homegrown companies and sponsors, by the way, so Vincent's story of that apprenticeship is on this pod a few years back. So we're going to link up to that if you want to hear the narrative of how those guys came up together. Speaking of coming up, Supremacy SEO, our next sponsor, launched after an early episode of this podcast. Yeah, I think that's true. That's absolutely true. Yep. Travis Jameson was on this podcast and then he launched that service. Travis started and sold AMZ Tracker. He's started and sold multiple supplement brands. But one of the things that's kind of stuck by Travis's side for a long time now is this supremacy SEO business, which is basically Google rankings. Travis came in and shared a wealth of information about his investing strategy during a breakout session. Some of the things that he's doing angel investing and some of the things that he's doing investing in DCers businesses and some of the things that he's doing with his own businesses. And looking at your rating system, Dan, that one ranked quite high this year. It was good to have Travis there, and it was certainly good to have him representing uh, Supremacy SEO. Speaking of businesses that have come up you know, as part of the TMBA community, Bean Ninjas were a sponsor again this year. And one of my favorite podcasts of the year was Meryl and Ben on this show talking about their breakup. Yeah, so <laughs> quite a fun story for us and for them, turns out that everything is going well for both of them. Individually, Ben and Merrill came on this show, talked about how they started Bean Ninjas, which is basically bookkeeping for internet companies that use zero. They have since gone separate ways and do listen to that podcast if you're interested in hearing that story. But then Merrill came this year with her team and sponsored the event, which I thought was very cool because they were also sponsors last year. Two more sponsors, Ad Badger. Michael Erickson's been on the show at least once. I can't get enough of that guy. Now he's my neighbor. (laughs) Do you know that? He lives in Austin now. Ad Badger is one of the first movers in the space of paid Amazon ads. And Michael started, he started by doing one-off jobs for people on the internet, grew a successful PPC management firm, Search Scientist, which he's shared the story of on the show. And now all of a sudden is involved in this really exciting new piece of software that's helping people manage their ad budgets on their Amazon listings. For all the traditional, legit business people that see TMBA and blow it off and blow off the people in this community, here's where the opportunities are. You know, we're not talking about writing blog posts for the cheap sitting on a laptop on the side of the freaking beach. That's not what this show's about, you know? Michael is mining real opportunities and he's building real businesses. You know, Search Scientist has uh, several, several employees at this point. I believe AdBadger's on that same trajectory. And by the way, Michael says this and his wife, Carolina, who also runs a business with them, says this, but they have the coolest logo. And I, I would tend to agree. It's pretty cool. And they got these badger hats that they wear. 
Did you see the stickers that they brought to uh, Thailand? I did. I have one. Okay. <laughs> they took their badger and they dressed it up for Thailand. I thought that was very cool. Our final sponsor was Aaron over at Century Kit, which is a dashboard for Amazon FBA sellers. You know, I think one of the things about sponsoring an event like this is like, you know, as a sponsor, you spend a bunch of money, you spend a bunch of time and effort to like get to an event like this. And then I think a lot of times like sponsors, they just kind of fall flat. Like they don't know what to do once they're there. Century Kit had one of the best offers, I think, of all the sponsors that were at our event, which is basically free access to the product if you're at this event. And I think people ate that up. And so, you know, it's all to say, good job, Century Kit. But then also, you know, when you're sponsoring a podcast, when you're sponsoring an event, and I've had these kinds of conversations with people, but getting to the point where you're sponsoring and, and paying the money for the sponsorship, you're only halfway there. Now you got to come up with a compelling offer that's really going to hurt you and help your customer. And when I say hurt you, like you got to give to get. Yeah. And well, let me give you some inside baseball about running conferences, because this is, we're 10 plus serious conferences at this point. And we're talking very big cost structure involved in contracts and, and stuff like that. And the reality is, you probably notice this conferences popping up like weeds, and then they go away. The reality is, is that if you're going to host a conference at a hotel, it's super hard to make a profit. Anecdotally, over the years, you know, obviously we've attracted a lot of attention for this and we've networked with other people throwing conferences and, you know, you hear way more stories of people losing their shirt on this stuff really bad. Like we did for several years. Yes. Like we still do occasionally. Yes. It's just interesting perspective on this marketplace that the people that make money are the people that are selling, like pitching high dollar products from the stage, like think run to the back of the room, swipe your credit card for this training program, or the people who have successful partnerships with their sponsors. Those are the two like paths to profit. And if you don't master them in the events business, your event is going to be a fun passion project for a couple years and then it's going to disappear. Yeah. The sponsorships, Dan, have been super important to us in terms of our organization and making sure that we can, you know, try and over deliver for the people that are going to be there, you know, because basically what happens is you can't charge enough on the ticket price. Yeah. The economics are of the whole industry are set by people with different financial incentives, right? So it's a longer conversation, but for those entrepreneurial organizations that are working within those cost structures, it's it's pretty tough. People probably don't realize this, and I only realized this a couple of years ago, but you know, it could be the case, and it is the case that Thailand, the airlines, the hotel that you're staying at, all those people make more money than the conference organizers do. <laughs> it's just the way that it works, you know? All right, point number four, boss man. Theme number four, if you will, is transparency. It's one of the things that I heard from the first-time attendees. You know, Tommy Griffith opened up the conference with a great talk about the story of his company, ClickMinded. And to discover that he's a comedian. This guy is so good at giving a talk that it doesn't even matter what the content is. You can put anything up behind this. He could be a white-label speaker. He could just go out and kill your content for you. So do reach out to that guy. But the first slide of his talk is just, here's the numbers. Here you go. Everybody take a look at where we're at. It's that kind of sharing that I think takes like the first timers a little bit off guard if they're not that familiar with the community. 
people ask me about it. Like, what's the deal with that? I think a lot of times people go to these conferences and, you know, Tommy's business is new. So they go to these conferences and then they expect people to have, you know, eight figure, high seven figure revenue, whatever it is like up on the screen, like, oh, why would I listen to anybody that's not making a bunch of money, right? Should Tommy not be on stage or somebody like Tommy not be on stage because they're not making the most money in the room? People are surprised not only that people are willing to share the intimate financial details of their company, but that they might not be making the most money in the in the room and they're still on stage. That's surprising to people. Well, there's important too there's like in a community like this, it's not a one-way street. It's the people that have been in business for a long time and have the more established businesses often end up getting a lot more from the newer folks that are a lot closer to the marketplace for the technology. And so there's like a cool give and take in the room. So I think that's an important part of it, but also it's your ability to be authentic and transparent. Like that's what counts. You know, Dan, for me, the thing that really resonated in terms of transparency, and I think Tommy was a great example of this, but one of the things that happens at DCBKK and our other events is that people do share the intimate details of their business. And a lot of people at a lot of conferences don't do that. And that's what makes our conferences different for sure. But during Tommy's presentation, one of the things that really stuck out for me was just he was really able to tap into the emotions of what was going on in his life while he was building this business. You know, he told this great story of the way he started his business was basically on the ground and he was doing an in-person training. And he had this class and only one person signed up for it. And so he walked us through like that experience. Turned out to be absolutely hilarious. But on the other side of it, you know, you really got to see what it's like to build a business, you know, from Tommy's eye and like the things that he was going through in his life and the, and the situations that he had to deal with. And, you know, Tommy talked about the friends that dropped off and some of the other things that we've talked about on this podcast. I don't think it matters if you're doing this for the first or the 10th time, the emotional constraints that these businesses put on you is just, is just really high and sharing your story and having transparency around these issues, I think is really important. Yeah. 100% pulled a comment down from Noah Everton, who attended, he said, DCBKK, the only higher level business conference where there are way more hugs than handshakes. Partially due to our American culture, this is uh, how we greet each other. There is definitely that emotional bond that comes through these business discussions. It's a close connection. And make no mistake, Dan, there were a lot of handshakes. I saw them. I witnessed them. That did happen too. Point number five, finally, is... uh. Everybody's growing up. You see how much gray I got in my beard now? But let me just say this. I'm not willing to say the theme is everybody's getting old. That's not what's happening. Because this community is, is much bigger than just an age. And, and one of the things we're seeing about growing up is that there's young people coming into the community now. Like Vincent, we talked about earlier, is a great example. He's 23. And he's not the only member in their early 20s that is running a successful business or that is working in a critical role in the business of a member, learning on the job, apprenticing to earn their entrepreneurial stripes. So the businesses that are growing in this community are maturing. And I think the attitudes and the concerns of the entrepreneurs are maturing as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Because in the early days, a lot of it's just like, I want freedom. Of course, you, you have to start asking bigger questions as you start to attain that freedom. Like, well, what am I going to do with it? How am I going to manage it? Am I going to be able to pass it on to my friends and family? 
Those are the sorts of questions that a lot of people are wrestling with. And we have even sessions on topics around mental health, around wealth management, around family. These are real wealth engines and it's not all fun and games. It, there's serious questions that are worth asking. It's one of the unintended consequences, Dan, I think of this conference in this community, it doesn't focus on beginners as much. And I think that the, one of the unintended consequences is that people will grow up and the focus will start to become on what the majority is focused on in a lot of ways, you know? And it felt like there was a great momentum behind people that had established businesses and people that were thinking about selling their very established businesses. It's not to say that there weren't people just starting off at the conference, but a lot of these people have tracked with us and with the DC for several years. So it's no surprise to me, I guess, that the problems that we're having to solve these days are tracking with the community and, and with the times and with the gray hairs in the beard, you know? For sure, man. Somehow we managed to get this time the right people in the right room and it was pretty magical experience next year over 10 events you want to talk about that because you already blew the lid off it i think it's worth it just for a second here i was just going to say the two biggies are are going to be in austin texas yep we're taking it back in austin in april yep and then we're going to also do dcbkk in october 2018 so those will be the biggies and we've got a variety of smaller events anywhere from 10 to 100 members all around the world, mostly contingent on weather patterns, actually. That's my thesis on where, where and why these events are hosted, and also in hub cities that people have decided are important to this growing global entrepreneur movement. One of those cities is, is Lisbon, for example. That's a country that's had innovative policy on immigration to attract entrepreneurs, and, and so there'll be an event there. There'll be an event in New York City because there's a lot of entrepreneurs in New York City and they value the experience of being in that city. There'll be a couple other events, Barcelona, Mexico City. But the next big event is going to be in April, Dan, in August. So mark your calendar for that. Looking forward to it. Final thought. This is a pretty selfish one, but I just want to share it because it's relevant to my life and what's about to happen. So I'm about to have a kid. Oh, man. Next month. Yeah, it's getting real. But here's this is the reason why I love this conference because I, I got to go around and I got to mine all the parents and I got to figure <laughs> out what my life is going to be like. And I've been having a conversation with my significant other about, is it okay to you know maybe leave the baby for a couple minutes while I sneak off out into the shop and things like that while the baby's inside? <laughs> we have very different stances on this. So I had to go out and I had to do a little bit of information mining. And I found out <laughs> from one of our members that there's these like apps that you can have on your phone. And you can just set the little iPhone up and yep. watch your kid and you can scramble off. And other, other thing about it is they're European. So like they have a completely different attitude than the Americans bring to this thing, which is like the helicopter parenting. That's the American thing. So I got the European perspective. I came back with this idea, presented it, flopped big time. So I will not be leaving my house. I'll tell you what, man, your biggest takeaway from DCBKK <laughs> was that you could phone in being a dad. <laughs> Good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> All right, Ian, thanks for sharing your thoughts. I think it's safe to say we both had a brilliant time in Bangkok with hundreds of listeners of this show. Amazing. And it gets a little bit more fun every year because back to the you know fundamental framework of this whole thing, our staff was 17 souls to get this thing done. So thank you to everyone that was a part of the team, 
donated their time to make this thing great. It was super fun. So, so many of the listeners were there. If you were one of them, thanks for making the trip out and for joining us. And I know there's a lot of you that are going to come in two or three years. Once that business that you're dreaming of right now does get off the ground, I very much hope that we'll be there for you. As there's a lot of cool stories like that, Ian. It's like, I've been listening to this podcast for five years and this I rocked up this time. So cool. Love that. All right, boss man. We'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you then. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.